Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. All right, good Sunday, everyone. It seems like the trend of late has been for most of the stuff to get done pretty quickly, although we still have the big potential trades out there. Still got a couple of interesting free agent situations, which uh, I'm sure John and I will get to. But just generally, John, like, it, has this been like an interesting, relatively free agent period? Uninteresting? Like, how are you feeling about it? Well, before we start, I have an announcement. There we um, go. If I ever leave this podcast or decide to leave this podcast, I'm not doing it until right after you give Dan Feldman a five-year, $160 million contract in order to make me happy and get me to stay. <laughs> it might be might be slightly out of, out of the budget, but uh, I'm going to have to uh, announce a price increase to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, $10,000 per year for, for the service. Uh, so here's the thing on this one, right? Uh, I think I'm definitely in my, the minority here. And we'll talk more about Dave and all this is maybe a little bit of an ancillary issue. Even if I had known that Damian Lillard was leaving for sure, if I'm the Blazers, I still would have signed Jeremy Grant to that contract. Really? Yeah. It's not that bad. Really? Like, I mean, the last two years, yeah, they're going to suck. Like, he'll probably be in Marcus Morris land by the last year or two uh but i think that contract is eminently tradable for positive value and if i were the blazers i would rather have it on my books than not have it on my book wow wow well so so a few a few uh, i mean i i realize that's a minority position so I, I will defend it and you can uh you can tell me how crazy i am so it's 32 million a year right that's uh you know for this year that's not a crazy number for Grant. would you agree it's it's not a crazy number for the idea that most people have of what Jeremy Grant is in their heads, which I think is already kind of doesn't really add up to the actual player that he is on the floor. But OK, fine. Um, yeah, I mean, this is all about just what you can do with it. It's not I, I mean, do I think that Jeremy Grant provides thirty two million dollars worth of value when I mean, that is kind of the going price for 3 and D wings. I would have him more towards the lower end of that group. He is 29. Uh, but it's also a player type that every single team needs, right? So, uh, but but yeah, I, I don't think that's crazy. They can also now, because Dame, I mean, we'll see where, I'm sure they're going to not actually sign it until the Dame thing is done, you would hope. But assuming they have enough clearance below the tax, they could just start it high and decline it now too. So that would make it more palatable, you would think, going forward. Um, that's yeah declining money does make it better um that fifth year to me is a big problem um yeah, but I, I just don't i don't I, think anybody cares uh i i 
it is it is more tradable as a four year deal, and I don't think they needed to go the fifth year just to get him to resign. Let me put it that way. Okay, well if that's if that's true, then uh, I I understand that a little more. We may also, I mean, who knows? It's early. We may see that there's some sort of team consideration on the end of this. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm not expecting that necessarily. But you never yeah. know in these circumstances. Uh, that's there's no reason for anybody to let that get out now. Yeah. Maybe there's um, a, maybe there's only a fourteen percent trade kicker on it. Yeah, but here's here's the thing, right? We've seen this off season. This is something we're going to get into more later, I'm sure, because you wrote about it today. I didn't read it yet, but I, I'm guessing I know where you went with it. That just simply having cap space to just take money, take guys in, you don't really get a ton of consideration for that you i think you can do it but you need to actually like take you can take in bad contracts but you need to be able to send back somebody who can play right so for example i mean we saw okc just getting absolutely no value for their cap spaces as they tried to take on bad money we saw sacramento struggle now i think actually indiana and and we'll talk about houston uh did a little better there but i think uh for so, so this is my argument right if you're the Dallas Mavericks on January 15th, would you trade Rashawn Holmes and Tim Hardaway Jr. plus your 2026 first for Jeremy Grant? You would absolutely do that, right? I think, I mean, yeah, they'd probably have to consider that. They'd, they'd, have, they'd have to consider it. I mean, there are a lot of teams, even more so now than ever. Uh, or, uh, I mean, if you're the Miami Heat probably won't have anything left. But if you were the Miami Heat, would you trade, you know, Duncan Robinson and some other salary for Jeremy Grant with a first round pick? I probably wouldn't if I were Miami. I, I just don't I just don't see how that contract fits in. Like if, if Miami's going to add another player of that dollar level, it's not it's it has to be somebody more on like Lillard's level than on Grant's. I just okay, the way, but, the way but, their payroll but, is set up, I just can't see it with them. But Dallas, uh, okay, Dallas right, is the yeah. Dallas is the right combination of desperation and only having two highly played players right now. Yeah, no, I I think that's right. If you were the Golden State Warriors, would you trade the expiring contract of Chris Paul for Jeremy Grant? Maybe that's not. I'm just throwing not. guys out here, but I, yeah. I think there are teams that would do it, and there are going to be more terrible salaries that emerge. If you were the Clippers, would you trade Marcus Morris and Robert Covington plus a first for Jeremy Grant? They, they, I mean, they're just yeah, again they, like like some of these yeah. are like th- these aren't crazy, right? Like like they're. And so this is my feeling on a contract like that is if the guy can play like you wouldn't I mean, at least for what I think he's going to be the next two or three years, you wouldn't be like, okay, he's making 32 million a year here that like we would rather just if we had the choice, we could either have space or we could have Jeremy Grant. Most teams, I think, especially if you're you're not a team that even has space anyway, right? If you're the Clippers, would you rather have him or just have nothing, right? Like you'd probably rather have Jeremy Grant. And you have a bunch of guys who are just completely underperforming contracts that you're going to send out. There, Lord knows there's been enough bad contracts signed the last few years. that So if you have just like useless expiring money that matches that salary, you'd send out a first you don't think is going to be that bad. Like I, my prediction is he will be traded. He'll have to take back some bad salary, but he will be traded for positive value. That is my prediction. Well, he'll be traded. Yeah. I, I mean, I sort of see what you're saying. He'll be traded for value that is positive in the context of a rebuild. Yeah. Right. Because it just, it doesn't, I mean, they have no other salary on their books really going forward. They're probably going to get rid of Nurkic in this same deal. It's like, what else are you doing with your money? Having a good player that you can trade to take on bad money and get draft picks is better than just having the space to me. So did you feel the same way about Kuzma's deal? 
I, I certainly that was the calculation by Washington. Now Kuzma's younger, so it's not, and it's only four years, and, and he makes less. Uh, I think he's, he's a little less plug and play than I was going to say. He's Grant. also he's also a worse player. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what you're looking for. Like Kuzma is a little bit harder of a fit on like a good team. I think Grant, yeah, has shown he can guard. He's not amazing, but he can. You can kind of put him on the best wing guy for the other team, and he'll do a good job. Kuzma is kind of more of a number two on the wing. Um, yeah, but I, I think that's the right decision by Washington to just make that deal and just hope you can move him later. I would rather do that than just. I mean, and he didn't really have much of a market either. Maybe, maybe they could have got you know squeezed another couple million a year out of him, but because uh, he clearly didn't seem to have a market. Yeah. So in the in the last two minutes of a one eighteen to one hundred four defeat, who's going to score more points, Jordan Poole or Kyle Kuzma? I'm going to say Kuzma because Poole has a greater chance of turning it over. <laughs> that's going to be that's good for those of you who missed the Brandon Jennings era in Detroit. This this could be a rehash of that. This could be a, a real a real thirsty fest and. The, the last few minutes of games that are over. Okay, so let me get back to my original question here. We, we got sidetracked, but I wanted to have that discussion anyway about Grant. Uh, I mean, well, so did I convince you there or you, you still wouldn't have signed it? You, 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 made, you made your case. I, I, I mean, I, I hate that contract. I, uh, man, I, it just felt so overboard for what he is. Um, I, I understand where you're coming from, that, that they could still turn it into what is positive value in a rebuilding situation by tur- you know by turning him into completely dead money in a draft pick and they might get more from it that way than if they turned cap space into dead money in a draft pick because it seems like the cap space route mostly gets you seconds yeah. So I, I I understand where you come from with that. I, I guess it, this is just a general, uh, more of a general observation that I have now on the idea of, of bad contracts. And obviously, you, you and I grew up in the era, you even more than me, of when you know under the '99 CBA, it was just all right, max out anybody who's on your team. You know, give them seven years, and we just saw some unbelievable whoppers of bad contracts. And this was before they had the stretch provision, and, and you know, the cap didn't rise up every year, and so teams were just so capped out all the time there are so many bad contracts and so our our big ethos when we were kind of learning this business and there also just weren't as many cap savvy teams was just avoid bad contracts avoid bad contracts like that's you, you can't do this for for this guy like you're a mediocre team and certainly there have been some bad ones which we'll talk about but uh that i wouldn't have done but i kind of think that like what actually constitutes a bad contract to the point where you can't move it and it's not worth signing that bar is a lot higher for me than, than it used to be because it's really for a lot of these teams it's kind of like okay like you're trying to win it's really okay maybe maybe uh jerry grant's making 30 million but if you don't feel like you could replace that production for like just a contract at the mid-level like if he's still better than a mid-level guy it's like you know if you're just like if your option is hey we're either going to have this guy on our team or not have him on our team at this number and that's that's it and the answer is we'd like to have him then it's not like that terrible of a contract he's a guy who just he helps you win games and he's on your team and you wouldn't want to just lose the guy for nothing like he's an important part of what you're doing uh for a lot of these so i again i think it's just a, like that lens particularly for teams that are kind of over that, that are going to be over the cap is how i'm going to try to look at things a little bit more so the other thing that I think influences that is that nobody good becomes a free agent anymore. And yeah, I wrote about yeah. this today at The Athletic. Um, 
we had that final sort of flurry in 2019 where seven all-stars changed teams and created that, that we're never going to see that again I exactly don't never ever, that was ever. i mean that was like it was we we're like oh my god this is the craziest summer ever this keeps happening because I mean, that i think what facilitated that was you still had all these guys coming off of contracts that weren't extendable and now exactly because they were expiring from the old cba or or the pre uh the pre new tv deal contracts 2015 or earlier yeah so we had that then and now now, I mean, because anybody good gets extended, you basically all the all the trades are for live contracts now. All the movement of I'm sorry, all star caliber players is for live contracts and it's for first round picks. And it's actually what's been good from the team side is that you're no longer facing the uncompensated loss of an all star. Almost yeah. all these teams have been able to get picks back and sort of restart themselves. Whereas that in the past you would have a guy just leave for nothing. Well, and this, you know, we're under this new CBA. There were, I think, there we're going to try to have to find a new equilibrium. I think a lot of people were like, "Oh my God, teams just cannot get off a salary." Like all these teams at the top are going to be screwed. Whereas they probably didn't focus enough on the stuff at the bottom and how many teams there were going to be looking to do stuff, and just also how few free agents there were, and therefore a team like Utah. Just being like, yeah, we get we're just, we'll just take John Collins because we're he's still a better player and a better contract than someone we could sign in free agency. And you know, again, like most of these teams being like, hey, we got to just retain this guy. We're going to pay up. Generally, the team, like, I, I guess this is true too. If a guy reaches free agency on a team, generally that's because there's an understanding that he's going to come back there. And you're just it takes like an epic mistake, like what Toronto made misreading what the market would be for a guy and getting in a situation where you're not willing to play because teams are smart enough that, hey, if we know we're not willing to pay this guy's next contract, we'll just trade him before he becomes an expiring contract. And then he'll end up somewhere where he wants to be and they kind of have the deal already worked out ahead of time. I guess that's the other thing too, John, that's making free agency so much worse is just, I don't want to say it's like, it's not even necessarily tampering, but it's just, I mean, it probably is actually, it's probably just illegal. Just teams are, every team basically is just like, okay, we know what what it's going to take to sign this guy six months out and so we'll trade for him and that deal's basically done when we trade for him right so that you're just and even the fact that deals are done in free agency like there just aren't other than fred van vliet where i think he genuinely was trying to decide on on uh june 30th everything kind of being done already makes it harder to make a splash in free agency with cap space yeah definitely uh and also a lot of these Player option situations are everybody knows exactly what the market is going to be before the decision is made on the option. We've seen that several times already. I, yeah. I That Collins trade to me, I didn't talk about it enough in my story because that to me was a moment, I think, where like that was the really a defining moment for the ground shifting where they took somebody with... It wasn't just that he was a underperforming contract. It was an underperforming contract with three years left on it, right? And $75 million. And they still took that in because it was still better than what Utah's alternatives were going to be. And if you map out Utah's future cap room, I mean, they they still have tons of it. So it, it made sense for them to do that. But I just don't, I just don't think two, three, four years ago, you would have seen a team make that kind of move. No, I think that's 
most likely true. Uh, but And then also there's just the lesson of how many teams just got burned on some of these cap space contracts too. Now some of them are going to get burned on, on these extensions uh, as well. But, uh, you know, but 2016 sort of kind of taught everyone a lesson, I think, of, of like, okay, don't go like crazy here. Yeah, let's move on quickly from 2016. <laughs> nothing, nothing to see here. <laughs> Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media, Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash per okay so uh, let me just ask you this actually because i i'm i'm uh you know lower on this player uh, as we've talked about many times than most how did you feel about the sabonis renegotiation extension in sacramento uh i did not like that at all uh i thought that was a a whopper of a number um depending on how they do it i mean 
It's not clear if they used all their cap space or just some of their cap space. Uh, couple- uh, that, that has been reported, actually. That What they did is they gave him a little over $8 million, so he's going to be a little under 30 this year and then get uh, go up to basically the max, uh, the 30% max starting next year. So yeah, they basically which- they gave him the lowest amount of money they could in this year to reach the reported. Right. And I, I don't like that deal on a four-year max at all. First of all, I think you could have done a four-year max with him next summer without needing to do a renegotiate and extend, without needing to shoot your first round pick into the sun to get the cap space in the first place. And nobody would have bid against you. Yes. I, 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 that was my analysis as well. Um, and I, I, do, I do think there's a fair amount of burn potential on the back end of that one. Yeah, I, I think there are just so many components uh, to it. I, well, so so let me ask you this. Do you, do you think about just the player, his age? I mean, the, there's two ways to look at it. Right? I mean, one is, okay, who are you bidding against? What would the market have been? The other one is, are you just, I guess, three ways to look at it. The next one is, well, if you just, you know, win shares per dollar, whatever it is, like, is he worth uh, the 30% max uh, over the four years after this one? And then is that deal movable if you need move? Those are kind of the three questions that I've asked. Them. Yeah, I think he's, as a center, he's always going to be harder to move, especially as a guy who doesn't fit in every single construction because you have to you have to play through him on offense and he presents some limitations on defense. And I mean, we really saw that in the playoffs, right? That That's the other thing I don't get about them going whole hog on this is he showed you in the playoffs where like there's that he only gets you so far and that you need you need other options and other other players uh, to, to really get past that level. And just just felt like too much of a of a victory lap for for Sacramento's last season. It almost felt like this is an exaggeration, but 2016 Charlotte team stays healthy the whole season, right? Has like no injuries, wins 48 games, makes the playoffs, losing se- yeah. loses in seven in the first round. Parallels couldn't be more similar, right? What do, what do they do? They uh, well, except Charlotte had a much better history before that than Sacramento. <laughs> wow! Wow! They had wow. made the playoffs in, in 2014. Wow, are we damning the yeah, faint yeah, no, I And they made it, they had not actually won a playoff game ever as the uh, Bobcats, uh, the, the second iteration of the Hornets, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, I think there are some parallels there to some degree. Now, that team, like, this was the number one offense, right? Like, in raw terms, they're the best offense in NBA history. Not relative terms, they weren't. But, you know, th- that is something that you feel like is pretty repeatable. Their transition game, like, their talent. Like, they, they did some things that were that were pretty exciting. Like, I think what they have is more sustainable than Charlotte, uh, to be sure. But, yeah, I'm not suggesting that Sabonis is Batum. But yeah. I, I am saying that there's, there's a risk in getting a little too giddy about what took place. And again, I just, I, I know he wasn't going to be extendable on the number he was on, but to go to... To go to go to the four year like I just don't see how any other team was going to go out there and and try to sign Sabonis to a four year max and if somehow that came up they still had the fifth year in their pocket so I you know where you yeah. could do like a small partial or whatever you know we I mean our our deal with Conley was a, a four year max plus a partial on the fifth year right. Um, so you end up doing something like that. Maybe if you really have to, if you really feel like you have to go to that to get it over the finish line, 
But to give up a first round pick just to saddle yourself with this contract is is kind of a, kind of a wow moment for me. I, I think it like it locks them in, and people are saying that right now, like it's a good thing. Which I understand. Like if I had the Sacramento Kings last fifteen years, I might think that too. But it it also locks you in on the high side too. I think in a way that's not great. Yeah. Now one thing that they benefit from is that De'Aaron Fox signed a five-year deal with no player option. So the first two years of this Sabonis deal, Fox is still on, you know, the quote-unquote fun max, as Windhorse likes to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then maybe at the when Fox needs a new deal, 26-27, Sabonis is older. I mean, maybe you just say, hey, that's going to be the, the end of this era anyway. But if you're going to go, you got to go 30% max for Fox, or maybe even is designated player veteran extension, now you've got $100 million a year you're just tied up in Sabonis and Fox and and the math kind of gets a, a little bit more difficult on that I mean I do think from a negotiating standpoint it really was an own goal for them to do that homes trade that I just don't understand at all because where I would have been with them is just you know I mean maybe they just didn't like anyone at 24 they also could have just tried to trade back too you know I mean that that would have been a possible well considering they traded back in at 34 yeah yeah um, you know, we saw Boston do that with uh, Boston had the next pick and absolutely fleeced Detroit, right? To get to yeah. go down to thirty-one. So yeah, that was t- and and Sacramento ended up with one of those picks eventually. So I, that was totally on the table. Well, and what they they could have, I mean, to me, just like re-signing Barnes at this about this same number and you know doing whatever with the pick not just creating the 12 million in space now they did get off of money for next year too but I don't I mean so maybe there's a possibility that they, they could open up the mid-level for next year uh, by doing this uh, where they, they would have room below the tax but I'm, I don't feel great about it and then uh, so, so I guess we, we don't know for for sure yet The but Sabonis is starting at such a high number next year also you know maybe you what I would have tried to do is say, hey, we re-signed Barnes. We've got, you know, five million this year. So we can offer you that renegotiation extension, but you know, we'll go up five million and then we'll give you the 140%. And then, you know, then you're at a number. Because they just not only did they give Sabonis more money than he could have gotten from any other team next year, but they also gave him an extra nine million this year to do it. Exactly. So they yeah. didn't really extract anything uh that for paying him early. But this again is just like, hey, everything went great here we got to keep this team together like we want everyone to be happy etc etc and we'll see how it turns out i guess uh but so let me ask you this here just to to quickly go through it this is very rough and, and dirty but here are the teams that i project to possibly have cap space and this, of course, can change with other moves. You never know. But teams that could have some flexibility next offseason, but $40 million or so, maybe not. Uh, Detroit doesn't really seem like a Sabonis team. Indiana, we've seen that movie already. Yeah. OKC, that wouldn't be a totally crazy one. Uh, they, I've got them with 30 Oh, I bet you Sabonis is dying to go back there. Could have him stand <laughs> at the, the three-point line again. Yeah, uh, Philly, not a Sabonis team. Orlando, I, I don't see it. Unlikely, yeah. Uh, San Antonio, I wouldn't, like, I mean, you could see them wanting to play two bigs. We'll see what Victor ends up being. Like, that's not think, a crazy one. I think just age-wise, San Antonio's going to aim younger than that. Yeah. Utah, yeah, I, I would think so. And it's at, it'll be 28 next offseason. So uh, Utah, 
I don't really think so. No, I don't think so. I mean, like they, like right, they, like Utah's going to use I, their money on guards. I mean, they, yeah. to me. Now, I will. I'll say this, John. If Sabonis plays exactly as well as he played last year for the next three seasons, and Sacramento also plays as well as they played last year for the next three seasons, I don't know that I end up questioning this. I think it's also the idea that this was maybe a high watermark for both Sabonis and maybe the team. Even you know, even if you win forty eight games, like you're probably not necessarily going to be the three seed in the West every year with winning forty eight games. Not at all. I mean, you look at the landscape right now. I mean, you, at, you'd have to put the Lakers and Phoenix ahead of them, right? In addition to Denver and, I mean, Memphis finished ahead of them last year too. Yeah, and maybe Golden State as well. I think, you know, so much depends on health. And of course, uh, and partially because Savonis really toughed things out with that thumb issue. But, uh, and he has largely stayed healthy through his career. So has Fox. So that, that is part of this. But you have to imagine they're going to struggle more. I mean, their whole starting lineup basically played the entire season. Like they're going to exactly. have more issues yeah yeah um so yeah i mean it definitely seems like a miscalculation uh would you but what else could you have done maybe they could have tried to i don't know if kuzma even would have wanted to go there for the same contract he got in washington maybe he just wants to shoot a lot i don't i didn't love the fit of kuzma in sacramento i was actually okay bringing barnes back versus their other options and i like that they uh jammed duarte into that room like they needed one more wing player with some size so they're not just playing six three guys all the time i mean, yeah. Duarte, I mean we'll assume that duarte that was good. awful last year but he was better as a rookie i think he's a better player than he played last year um so that you know that that part was fine we'll see what Vizenkov can give them if he can give them some spacing and not get cooked on d so i mean that you know the the rest of their offseason i thought was was totally fine i don't necessarily disagree with how they how they chose to use that space it's just it's just kind of weird that I mean, they still have several million in space left over, actually. We'll we'll see what happens here. Uh, so, cap space-wise here. Here are the teams that had cap space coming in. Let me know if I miss anybody. You know, Charlotte maybe could have. We'll throw them out. It seems like they're yeah. just going to be in the, the resign. Maybe they'll yeah. get one guy. Maybe they'll get Grant Williams. Yeah. All right, so here are your teams mm-hmm. that had significant space. Detroit. Mm-hmm. Houston, Indiana, OKC, Orlando, that's five, Sacramento, San Antonio, Utah, yeah, and Utah. So that's eight and teams. Then, that and then Was- Washington, the Lakers, and Charlotte had the option to, and all three of them basically decided no. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, the Lakers did. Yeah, they could have got to thirty million. I mean, that that just I think they made the right decision to. Oh, do, totally. Uh, yeah, keep all their guys. I mean, yeah. even I. I let, let me add, yeah, because I like Van Vliet. His price was just too high for them. Even if he had gone, I think for a fourth year at the most they could have paid that only would have been one twenty three. He's getting more than that over three years with Houston. Yeah, I mean, um, Houston was a determined bidder. <laughs> let's say that would have been that would have been tough to beat them. Okay, so so those eighteen, yeah, and Washington, they they I think only could have created like fifteen million or something. Although I some of what they did was uh, trading for guys as well, etc. Um, and, and they're kind of going into a rebuild. I, I I would put those those are the eight teams that actually you know really had the space. Who did the best to you out of those eight teams? Indiana. I thought they got two players who will help them, and they basically turned Bruce Brown into a trade exception also, so that they can pivot into something if if the need comes up. I, I thought Indiana did a really nice job. I was surprised that, like, I love the concept there from Indiana to go the two years, balloon payment, 
I mean, Bruce Brown kind of betting on himself, but I was surprised that he couldn't get a sec- at least some kind of guarantee. Now, I think the uh, in the second year now, maybe the idea is uh, we'll give you this big balloon payment now, use the team option, and then you know we'll bring you back for a longer term deal next year. Uh, if we have some other stuff we want to do, maybe it'll be a little bit less. But uh, I was a little surprised he couldn't get more. But I think take this balloon payment this year. Hard to imagine that it's a circumstance where he doesn't have full mid level offers next year if he. Does does get the team option declined unless there's some injury or something like that but yeah uh but yeah i love what indiana did i mean getting Toppin for a song he's an amazing fit there uh you know i really liked uh well I, i'm sorry yeah i, I really would have liked that they could have got hendrix in the draft rather than jarris walker but now with Toppin there they kind of have a couple outs at power forward brown will start at small forward they're gonna be unbelievable in transition they're yes. the most fun team in the league probably to watch and they did it without having to give out any bad contracts. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I thought that was uh, that was a better use to me than taking in bad players for minor draft assets or to move or to move up two spots in the draft. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Okay, number two, who did second best with their cap space? I, I can run through the list again. Yeah, Utah, I know, San no, no, Antonio. I know. I, know. Uh, okay. I'm gonna, I mean, Orlando is kind of the same concept uh, in less bright colors with the Ingles contract, right? They basically did the same thing where they just, they just rolled their flexibility over for another year. And that seemed like it was always the the right course of action for them. Uh, and Ingles is a perfect fit there. It's only one year guaranteed, eleven million team option the second year. I'm guessing this Mo Wagner deal, uh, two years, sixteen million, also has a team option or a non guarantee on the end, which is that's just been their mo. Yes. Recently, to me, it didn't make sense to try to switch. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hmm? News? Miles Bridges is preparing to sign the qualifying offer next season. Wow. Wow. Preparing. Oh. Uh, Hornets and Bridges <laughs> are far apart. <laughs> okay. This is this is called negotiating through the press. Okay. Well, so well, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll, we'll I see mean, if this he actually is, does it. It's got the... I yeah I mean I think what just given Woj's normal pattern and it has like the breaking news template uh thing and, and like a photo of him and, and there there's a story soon I mean maybe this usually I don't think Woj would maybe Shams might uh earmuffs there John uh but uh I don't think Woj would just throw this out there and like get used in that way he generally like if it's well, if, well if when he when he it, it's true when he when he yeah. carries water it's usually for somebody on the front office side <laughs> let's put it that way so that yeah um so 
What's really interesting here is that if he signs at 7.9, now you're Charlotte, you have you could uh, renounce PJ Washington, have like 18 million in room, and go after Grant Williams that way on an offer sheet. Yeah, that's a, it, would you rather have, would you rather have PJ Washington or Grant Williams? Like I I don't know. I'd kind of rather have PJ Washington, but uh it's close. I think for this team, I'd probably rather have, I, I think I'd rather have Grant Williams just in general. I, I don't think that Washington's superior. Like, is, isn't Grant Williams like a more reliable shooter at this point than PJ Washington, too? They're both kind of quasi reliable, I thought. No? I mean, Grant's shooting over 40% the last few years. Hmm. Yeah, that this will be fascinating, though. Uh, I mean, is there a way? I don't think, you know, they're not going to bring back. But but this will, I mean, so Bridges now, he'll be able to block a trade. They will have full bird rights on him. Like, this, from a PR standpoint, might be the best option for Miles Bridges to just, and for Charlotte, too. Like And, and for Charlotte, honestly, yeah. 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 yeah, if he if he it's like, hey, we had to offer him this. It's a one year deal. If he plays well, like we can still offer him a bunch of money. This is probably the if, if he's confident in how he's going to come back and play. You know, Charlotte is probably offering. I mean, I, you can't go that much, right? Like, if it were me, I'd be offering you know a Kevin Porter Jr. type of contract. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because you you know you know nobody else is so. Yeah, it is nobody else. Man, I just that that's a tough press conference, man. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't think he's quite good enough that, that teams want to do that or the type of teams that had the cap room to offer, you know? Yeah. So this, like, this makes sense that this will actually happen. I mean, maybe this is a last ditch attempt to mm-hmm. try to get an offer sheet somewhere else. Like just an idea that, Hey guys, he might be poachable. Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, I think this is, but for all those who are like, Oh, these guys were in lockstep the whole time. And the other thing too, is uh plot is taken over now and they just may have a different, there's been some reporting on this. They may just have a different approach possibly from a PR standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, back to our discussion here. Mm -hmm. Of the eight cap space teams, who is number two? So I went, I went with, uh, I went with uh, uh, Orlando. There, you know, same kind of thing that they rolled it over. I mean, they they just 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 simply for rolling it over and getting in. I just yeah, I I know it's not great, but I just thought in the position they were in, where they don't like they they don't totally know what they have yet with these guys. They got a guy who fits really well. Like it wasn't just it wasn't just some random that they paid. Like like Joe Engels should actually work there, right? Yeah, there's always the possibility that at age 36 he's just done. Yeah, but yeah, they needed someone who could shoot and dribble and pass because all their perimeter guys are, are pretty bad from the outside. Uh, and and they uh, they have maybe now one more year to figure out Cole Anthony and, and uh, Markel Fultz on an expiring contract. You know, I'm not I wouldn't love it if they extended Fultz at this point. I think, that, but yeah. and then but they also brought in Anthony Black and Jet Howard. They need to see if those guys are part of their future. So so yeah, bringing in another another big money guy like Joe Ingles is someone who, I, and I think this is another theme for me of free agency in general that fit guys either guys on the wing who just are plug and play with other guys can shoot and defend or Fred Van Vliet who's maybe the ultimate fit guy guys who are going to make things easier for other players and not take anything off the table those guys had got more of a premium in this market and Ingles is like that he's a good fit for a young team because he can play on or off the ball he can set guys up and he can shoot yeah you know i um my yeah good i could i mean i could argue for utah i mean i thought you know walking out of there with collins was pretty good compared to how a lot of these other teams did like Collins isn't yeah, a, they're going to renegotiate and extend Clarkson too. That's the other. Yeah, that'll be the other piece of it. Years. So he'll be 
he'll make 15 and then 14 the next the next two years, which should be like pretty good value for them. So their their numbers are set up pretty well. Uh, I'd certainly I like that renegotiate and extend better than uh, the one in Sacramento. Who stood out to uh, you? Well, so apparently with Houston is involved, like so they somehow got Patty Mills and he's now going to uh, OKC and and but uh, Keith Smith, who's apparently done the math on this, is saying the Rockets still could have 15 million in cap space potentially. I I think that assumes that. Uh, Jeff Green goes into their room exception if they want to. So they may not be done yet. Uh, The Rocks also just completely sold all of their non-primary young guys for absolutely nothing, which we can talk about some, which I didn't love, but I don't know that they had another option there because they still have a shitload of young guys anyway. But uh, I mean, I thought other than Dylan Brooks, I really liked what they did, particularly given the context of the top uh, four protected picks that they owe the next three years, essentially. Yeah, they're essentially forced to compete. Uh, First of all, why are you hating on my guy? Um, Jack Landale? No. Oh, oh, Dylan Brooks. <laughs> no, actually, the, the K- thing- KBD. Oh, we got to we got to talk about Phoenix too before before we're done. I thought uh, Phoenix did uh, a great job. Yeah, I, I got I got a lot of a lot of takes there. But uh, back to Houston. Yeah, I mean Brooks four for eighty. I mean that's when when you're not beating is- against anyone. That's ridiculous, right? Uh oh, Eric Gordon to the Suns on a minimum. One would assume. Wow. Wow. This is a hell of an offseason for the Suns. I mean, as much as I hated the Beal deal, what they've done since July 1st has been amazing. Well, and perhaps they had an understanding. Although Gordon, I don't think we knew he would shake loose necessarily. I think I think that was a thing that might have happened late based on some other based on some other stuff. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I like uh, I, I mean, I think the Beal deal when you can get this quality of guys in the minimum, that Beal deal looks a lot better. Yeah, because one of the things was all the constraints they were going to face. Right. But they did gangbusters in free agency on minimum deals. And to, to the point that like you wonder where these some of these other teams were on a couple of these players. Like yeah, Kata beats Bates Chop in particular. Man, I, I just thought yeah. the market completely missed on him. I, I thought he was worth several million. I thought he could have helped a lot of good teams. I think he like he might end up starting for these guys. You you and Isaiah just in lockstep. You just you think just like you know, standing across the table from each other, like two fingers pointing at each other's eyes. You just like you know exactly exactly what the other is thinking. <laughs> Oh man! So they, I, they signed another one of the guys you like too, right? Who is who am I thinking of? Um, they signed Chemezi Metu. They signed Drew yeah. Eubanks. They signed former Grizzlies legend Yuta Watanabe. Yeah, they did, they did a really nice job. No, they did, and you wondered what was happening when they pulled the Landell qualifying offer, and then they got Drew Eubanks, who's better. Than, and, exactly. Uh, it yeah. didn't, co- I mean, it didn't cost have, them eight yeah. million. Why didn't Houston sign Drew Eubanks? Like, what the hell? Well, so here's my theory as we go back to Houston. And yeah, I mean, this Phoenix team, I think, is going to be... They may actually now be the favorites in the, in the West Me, uh, particularly because Denver has had some issues. Uh, you know, we'll see. Like, some of these young guys are really going to have to... Yeah, uh, I don't I don't, don't love uh, Denver's offseason. Yeah, but but uh, but so Houston, I, back to Brooks, right? I mean, that, to me, 4 for 80 for him, and I believe the reporting is that it's all guaranteed, too. 
I believe it's all, the, yeah, all guaranteed declining money is is uh, what I had my yeah. understanding. So that to me is the most shocking single number of this offseason. Wow. What did you think he was going to get? Yeah, I thought he was going to get like three for 45. I thought he was just going to get just above the mid-level. I mean, the four years is the one that's really surprising. And my theory on how this happened is, uh, and by the way, Chom says Bridges has, in fact, just signed uh, that qualifying offer. Uh, My theory on how this happened is they were like, hey, wait around for Brooke Lopez. You know, we don't think we have a great chance of getting this guy. And here's the price for waiting around is uh, we're going to offer you a lot more oh so they yeah they had him as the backup and so and, and probably the, same thing with with jock landale the price of keeping him on retainer was was yeah. that they had to go higher yeah that's probably true i thought the i thought the dalliance with lopez didn't make a lot of sense to me um i understand they want to get better on defense i just didn't at the end of the day milwaukee was going to match whatever you you offered him right like milwaukee milwaukee could not afford to lose him I don't and, know. We thought you, that about Van Vliet too, though. And and you had to be able to read that. But with Van Vliet, there were there were clear considerations going on in Toronto. And if you looked at their payroll and everything, where it it seemed more clear that there was a walk away number for Toronto, because you even heard that Toronto's offer there there was scuttlebutt even in June that Toronto was only going to go to to ninety over three for him. So you sort of knew that there there was a limit on what Toronto was willing to do that wasn't necessarily going to apply, apply to the Bucks situation with Lopez just because they like they have zero ability to replace him because of their tax situation and the moment he's gone their equity as contenders basically evaporates right yeah, they did go through basically an entire regular season without him last year, but I agree. They and certainly when you have full bird rights on a guy and you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, you can't just the optics of letting him go over money. It's such a classic bird rights trap play. I I, I, I just wonder, like if, if I was Houston, I I, I might have just not even bothered there. I don't know. Well, also, it seems like they weren't willing to go a third year. Yeah, you're right. Cause also, because if, they, yeah. if they'd been willing, you're right. If they'd been willing to go out more on the years, they might have been able to still. So pull it I off. think hmm. the reason Brooks is so surprising me is because I never agreed with even trying to bring him in to begin with. Even though I'm probably higher on Brooks than a lot of people, like his defense is really, really good. I think that the perception of his offense is at a, a, a nadir. I think he'll be better than he was last year when he had basically the lowest true shooting percentage of just about any player who played more than you know, like a thousand minutes or something. I think it was KP said he was the second lowest true shooting percentage of any player to play more than a thousand minutes. Uh, and, you know, I think when he's actually played with a bunch of other ball dominant guys, like he has reduced his usage. If you look at what his usage was in, in the lineups with Bain and Ja and Jaron. But I think just on this team, yeah, I know they need to get better defensively and they need to get more competitive, but his lack of shooting, like he's, he's someone who to me, like it's still, yes, you're trying to compete if you're Houston, but if you're really trying to go somewhere it still is about trying to develop these young guys and i think that dylan brooks negatively affects their development whereas fred van vliet i really liked that signing for houston because he really helps their development and so that's that's more even why 
He helps like their development. Just, you mean you mean just on the court by his presence on the court? Yeah, yeah. I'm not even talking about the whole. Oh, is he like a leader or right, right. You know, the controversy? What I, I don't actually don't. I think that's a little overblown. Uh, I mean, actually, I think you know maybe Ime Udoka is kind of like, hey, like we we've just been pathetic. Like we don't even get back on defense. Like we we just haven't competed at all the last few years. Like it would be good to have someone going in the media and like calling people out and like getting some attention and giving some stakes to what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, it's not it's not about that at all it's just about his game and then they just they still uh, amend thompson who, who you just drafted like because they're still they still need to play these guys like they're not going to actually be good because they just still have too many young guys yeah i also didn't understand the jeff green thing i didn't get in the that one thing. that one was that wild was- to me i i guessing they brought him in to be like a you know locker room guy or whatever but that uh... yeah i mean maybe he can play some stretch five for you to just open things up a little bit because they are still they're still gonna be maybe the worst shooting team in the league yeah but i still would say even because i really liked van vliet for them uh and, and we'll see if they still can do anything with this 15 million that's remaining uh i mean what about like the, the deals that they had to make to get off of some of the, their lower level prospects, Tai Tai Washington and Garuba to Atlanta, a couple of mediocre seconds for KJ Martin. Uh, giving up like, two seconds, giving up two seconds and cash just to create five million in cap room. Like, yeah, that's bad. That well, could that it have is been bad. more. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess maybe about the roster spots too. Uh, they, I mean, they're not running out yet. Uh, we'll we'll see what the end game of this is. So, I I mean, but these guys were unlikely to play this year, yes. But also, they they, they never really gave much of a chance. I mean, they played Dacian Nix ahead of Ty Ty Washington last year, which was just weird. Um, yeah. Now he he was Nix injured. Nix was, was horrible. Uh, part of it, but yeah. Um, uh. and then like I understand the the um. You know, even the Christopher move, like, it it at least didn't cost him anything. It doesn't look like. We'll see. Um, But just just to give up on all those guys. They got something for Kenny Martin Jr. That part I was fine with. I I mean, not much. Like, none of those are looking like good second rounders. They're far enough out that you never know. But there's not – there's sort of, like, a small subset of seconds where it's, like, in the next year or two from a team that you know is going to be pretty bad. And then it's, like, all other seconds after that that are further out or whatever. So this is falls in bin B there. Uh, I mean, that's a good piece of business by the Clippers as far as I'm concerned. $2.1 million trade exception from Reggie Jackson to turn it into Kenny Martin Jr.? Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Now, he's he's a he's a, a fit guy who may have some trouble there, so we'll see what his, what his role turns into. Yeah, I think a lot of it, as we really went through it, it's just, I and mean, Ty Ty Washington would have been behind four guys this year. And I, I think maybe they just didn't want to have guys in their second and third years uh even martin in his fourth year like kenny martin would have been behind four guys this year three guys this year jabari jay shantay jeff green like i think that a lot of it was just like a locker room chemistry type of thing and also i think maybe an understanding by houston that if you hold on to these guys they're not going to play so their value is not going to get any better either now maybe you could have waited till after they like had a good summer league or something and then tried to move them but nobody would have had roster spots at that point yeah that's when it that's when it gets hard Uh, a great piece of business by atlanta 
No, I agree. I, I think like Ty Ty to me, I think he has a, a future as a backup guard. It's going to take a while, but they need someone like that in the pipeline. And even Garuba, like I think he's got the ability to maybe be a, a solid backup center. I, I think he. I mean, you've probably you know given your affinity for terrible March and April basketball. You've probably seen more of him than me, but I think he's got some like poor man's Kavan Looney potential. Yeah, he 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 has to he has to get better at the offensive end. Like his his yeah. hands his hands and his finishing have been a problem. He's shown the ability to occasionally make a corner three. If he could do that more consistently, he'd at least have a job on offense, and and that would help. Like defensively, he's fine. Um, yeah, he's but, like good defensively. But he's a little undersized, and he has no position on offense. So. That, yeah. That's where it's a problem. So, yeah, no, I thought that was good. I think ultimately as as Houston, like I understand why this happened. It's just disappointing for – because these are all guys that I feel like aren't just like to- – I wasn't like totally out on Garuba, Christopher, Martin, and – uh, Ty Ty at all. Like, I thought those guys still actually might develop into being like solid NBA players. It's just you know, from a roster standpoint, playing time standpoint, it just wasn't happening. Houston. Exactly. But it's disappointing to just kind of see those guys go out the door for nothing or even have to pay to go. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. So I'm interested in something you said because you said Dylan Brooks was the uh, was the most shocking free agent deal. Um, yeah. I think the most shocking free agent deal was a Memphis guy, but it wasn't Dylan Brooks. Okay, Derek Rose getting a two year deal in Memphis. Why is that so surprising? Uh, I mean, he played like two minutes after January first, and he got two guaranteed years. Uh, I, I well, certainly this year it doesn't like there's no opportunity cost. You just think even the roster spot. Uh, I mean, I I don't think he's there to play basketball. Uh, in in a manner of speaking, like he's he's there to be on the basketball team, obviously. But um, I I think it's more to have a older guy around John Morant. But yeah, I mean, Memphis with their it's really weird what they've done with their roster because I think this is a situation that Houston was getting into too, where they drafted so many guys and want to hang on to them all, and now they have no roster room for anyone else. And they've, you know, they're twenty million below the tax and have not even threatened to use their mid level, right? Because they have nowhere to put the guy. Because they have a lot of sort of speculative development projects in the works. So it's a, it's a very interesting time there, and it's weird to do that when you have a good team. Yeah, it is kind of interesting, and they're still actually at sixteen guaranteed contracts with the acquisition of Christopher. Yeah, uh, I mean, so one of those guys is gonna have to go. You would think. I think Rose, like, there's the backup point guard market was atrocious. It did make sense. I mean, now if Dennis Smith Jr. is going to end up for the minimum 
in uh that's i mean 2.5 million is is what the is what got reported on him oh yeah it did get reported no yeah i didn't see the the number usually when they don't say the number it's that it's uh that it's, it's a minimum so yeah <laughs> I, I think that was but memphis i think they're also very worried about the chemistry and Ro- rose is like a kind of beloved guy he's coming back where he went to, to college like everyone loves being around derrick rose in the locker room playing with him and he also i think could possibly contribute like he didn't the knicks had like clearly better guys than him uh but he was good two years ago before the ankle surgery so for what they need of just hey give us 25 games like mildly acceptable backup point guard play and then recede into the background i think that he might have been the best they could have hoped for there but i yeah i would have tried to get smith jr but smith jr is uh maybe a different locker room presence potentially than than derrick rose because they don't like who they don't have any vets other than marcus smart at this point so i think getting rose in there to just you got all these young guys who are gonna be pissed off about not playing so that yeah that was not surprising me at all i thought when i saw that i was like oh this makes perfect sense i would have done that uh you you disagree though huh uh it's it it's it surprised me it, it surprised me that he got that he got the two years and then it's uh, yeah it surprised me a little that 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 with the right the way the roster was they had one bullet and that was the one they shot but i to me i you know are they are they done i mean i guess that's the other question right because they probably should be figuring out what's the value of Conchar and Roddy and Aldama and some of these guys who are like, they're on the roster and it's not that they're bad players. It's just that you can only have so many guys like this, right? And and the roster is just overly clogged right now. They, I mean, they had, that's why they had to cut Kennedy Chandler last year. So it's just sort of the same thing with Houston. It's kind of ironic that this is where Josh Christopher is going. How does nobody sign Kennedy Chandler? I'm very surprised by that, and I don't know. I don't know what the deal is there. I mean, he's he's only twenty or twenty-one, if that. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm assuming I'm just gonna like see him somewhere at summer league. I haven't really been tracking summer league rosters, but yeah, I'm kind of kind of wondering what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, now he has I think three years uh, of or two more years of guaranteed money, so maybe he can just afford to sit back and try to play well in summer league and then pick his next destination. Maybe that's what the strategy is there. But I mean, I think I would. I, I at the time he was waived, uh, I think he uh, there was no real way for anyone to claim him because it was so close to the end of the season. But yeah, um, okay. So let's get back to this this uh, this question about the Cavs. I even with the Brooks thing, which I didn't love, I think. I think I might still have Houston second just because of getting Van Vliet. I think that like they just really improved their situation. If you want to say, hey, where were they after this? Uh, having to go the third year on Van Vliet does hurt because they could have had another bite at the cap space apple uh, in two years. But they can still, if there is something there, it is Houston. They could figure something out if there is absolutely somebody who wants to come there. And so, yeah, I think I still would have Houston number two. I think, and maybe it's noteworthy that the two teams that were actually really able to sign guys that were good uh, what i'm saying is the best but then you only kind of and houston was probably the most glamour market of all these teams and they also went with like crazy money because they have this weird deal where like the path of not signing them would have just been like sucking this year and losing your pick yeah exactly exactly they were Um, in such a bad scenario 
So that that's definitely a factor. Yeah. So so I think they, if you compare their situation to Orlando, it's kind of like, hey, we, we don't let's just keep working on these young guys. And Houston, I think it would have made sense to do that. And like, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll go another year. See who we got in Garupa and Josh Christopher, Ty Ty Washington, and let's see these guys. You know, Men Thompson's going to play a ton and all that, and we'll get another bad pick. But uh, that kind of accelerated their timeline in a way that some of these other teams didn't. Um, let, let's since we may be running a little short on time here, who did the worst? with their cap space uh let's see okc i mean okc is definitely a candidate i mean 33 million to move up two spots in the draft is kind of wild uh and then they got well it's not quite that much because bertans is only five million guaranteed next year but uh so it's more like 22 million million. okay okay uh they're gonna get a second for mills it looks like and what else do we got here they took in one other player i think oladipo uh victor victor oladipo's and they're gonna get it yeah that's right yeah we don't uh so they're gonna yeah they're gonna turn 41 million into a couple of seconds and moving two spots up in the draft uh, now, if Kazen Wallace turns out to be worth it, then I'll be seeing a, a different tune, potentially. They also got Vasilya Misic with the room exception, uh, who is, doesn't really fit there at all to me, but he's a good player, and we'll see. These European guys have kind of, uh, have had mixed results coming over some of these, these Euro veterans, but I'm glad to see him in the NBA if I wanted to see what he could do for a long time. Yeah, OKC's got to be down there. Uh, OKC I also mean, has 40, 43 players right now. They need to cut a few guys. I'm assuming Oladipo yeah. will be one of them, but we'll see. Yeah, and there may be... Yeah, you would think it would be uh, Oladipo. Uh, yeah, they're at 17. Two non-guarantees, but that's Isaiah Joe and Wiggins, who have both were in their rotation last year. Uh, they guaranteed Robinson Earl, but that they could easily move on from that if they needed to. And... Yeah, I think uh, I would probably put Sacramento, especially because oh, yeah. they paid to create more space. They might be at the bottom because they're they seem like the ones who like just miscalculated the most. Yeah, the only I mean I I'm fine with the Barnes part and I like the Duarte part, but um, and then were you okay with Trey Lyles' contract? Yeah, I think that was especially because there's no opportunity cost to it this year, and that's that's the going price for like shooting back up power forward. Niang got about the same, but the, the sort of the overriding logic of it though was to do a renegotiate and extend to get Sabonis up to a a four year max, which it's like you, you could have just given him four year max next year. Nobody else was going to fight you. I I don't know, man. Yeah, or they could have they could have tried to trade for a guy as well, and maybe just even picked up some assets going forward. Like just because you're a decent team doesn't prevent you from doing that. Again, the market for that is pretty cool, but they could have maybe gotten a guy who could have helped them. Uh, but but uh, I actually liked what the Pistons did. I would kind of put them in the top half of that group. They got Monte was... Morris for very little, and Joe Harris I think will actually help them some this year. Yeah, they so they uh, netted out at one second round pick, right? They they got two for Harris and then sent one out for Morris um and Harris we'll see if he can actually help that I mean they need shooting he can he can shoot if nothing else we'll see how well he can like move and stuff uh and then but Monty Morris will will genuinely help them I presume this is the end of us seeing Killian Hayes play 25 minutes a game so I mean they 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 got better with their offseason 
and they didn't compromise their future flexibility they, they added two guys who are going to help them this year and they're plus one second and these again morris and harris are guys who actually help the development of your young player to me i was just not dis- turning it over setting them up giving them space to work i was just disappointed because i i felt like they could have signed another center and with with Plumley being on the market again, especially. Well, unfortunately, Josh Bartlestein is in Phoenix now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Plumley, man, those uh, clips still have full bird rights on, on him. See, so, yeah, I would actually put Detroit kind of at the top half of that group, and you know, Orlando again. They they preserve future flexibility as well. Uh, OKC uh, largely did. They should be able to get another bite at the apple next year. They moved up at least a little bit. So yeah, I'd say sat. Sack, and to me, it would be at the bottom there. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. What about uh, San Antonio? We haven't talked about them at all yet. I sort of feel like they haven't begun to fight yet, right? I mean, they're, you know, Julian Champagne and, and Sandro Mamukalashvili, right? That's their, that's their free agent hall right now. Uh, I, yeah. They brought in Osman from, uh, from the Cavs in the sign. Were you surprised that Cleveland's salary dumped in that deal, Osman, instead of Ricky Rubio or Dean Wade, who are very similar money? Uh no, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think well, and also uh, Rubio and Dean Wade have more, like it would have cost more to get it off them because Osman's expiring. Those guys have money going into next year too. Uh, I thought Rubio was not guaranteed uh, the year after. Uh, you know, I thought that too, and then I saw we have him in our sheet is guaranteed. Let me look that up. Uh, yeah, no indication that he is non guaranteed in that last year from uh, our friend Keith Smith at Spotrac. Hmm. Uh, no, I'm sorry, he is. Uh, Four point three million guaranteed. Oh, uh, okay. Out that explains. All right. So that explains it. He basically is. He's unless he's you say he's not worth the minimum. He's guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, so San Antonio, I thought they might try to price enforce on the Lakers uh, on the Reeves thing. Ended up not doing that. Still got seventeen million in room. I still they're going to be the team. I think that out of the Lillard and Harden stuff, I think they're waiting on that to be sort of the last the last hotel with vacancy as everyone else's cap room goes away and so teams yeah. have to pay them a little more to dump that contract yeah hard uh, the, did you say lillard and harden there right i mean like you know, yeah marcus morris uh, hey maybe marcus morris could finally end up in san antonio John. <laughs> a, a move uh, a full, five years in the making a full circle moment oh my goodness but yeah, they yeah they actually have because I mean Trey Jones doesn't count against their cap yet. Neither does uh, Champagne or Mamukalashvili. Uh, they'll probably waive Lamar Stevens, who I think got five hundred thousand guaranteed in that sign and trade. So they they still have even though 
if you add up their money, it doesn't look like it. They still have like thirty million in room. Yeah, yeah, because it was Trey Jones is he, his cap hold is effectively the minimum if they wanted to do it yeah. that way right now. So yeah, I think that's fine for them. I mean, they have plenty of guys that they want to develop. They I, they have good players already on their team. They just elected not to play them a lot of the year last year. And yeah, Utah John Collins that was like okay to me. I don't love the fit there. We talked about that last week. Uh, I guess let's uh, let's finish up talking about the uh, the Dame and Harden things because we haven't hit yeah. on that at all yet. Sure. I mean, I, I've been on the record on this beating a dead horse. You know, I thought they should have traded Dame two years ago. I thought they shouldn't have signed the extension. I thought they could have gotten a lot more for him then. They'll still get stuff for him now because he's still really good. Uh, but even though his contract's a little scary. It's, it's just not going to be it's not going to be like the Paul George return they could have gotten two years ago, I don't think. Uh, so they're so, going to end up yeah. they're going to end up getting bad contracts and a couple firsts. I think we, we'll 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 see what it ends up being. But I just don't know, like how many teams are really going to the wall to get him that are going to push Miami to to really overpay here. Yeah, you uh, I mean, I think if you're Brooklyn, it's so easy for you to beat Miami's offer, like uh, certainly some of the initial offers that I think, because I was talking about this with Danny and they're kind of, they, their own pick doesn't matter obviously until 27. So if you can get him for a price, that's not crazy, particularly if it involves sending out Ben Simmons as the matching salary. Yeah. If you can turn, yeah, yeah. turning Ben Simmons into Damian Lillard is, is, is worth is definitely worth multiple firsts, right? Especially multiple firsts that, that aren't your own to begin with. Yeah. So you could do, you know, you maybe try to hang on to that 29 Phoenix and send your other stuff. Right. So so what's the what's that offer if you're Brooklyn? Ben Simmons. You could do you could do Ben Simmons. You can let's see, you can send your own first starting in twenty eight, right? Um uh yeah, but yeah, you wouldn't want to send your own first, I don't think. I think well, you, I think you, you, you if you if you could do it protected, you would. Okay, yeah, protected, protected, yeah. So but well, so here's what they have extra. They got 25, 27, 29 Phoenix first. Uh they got a twenty-nine Dallas first. Those are all unprotected. Then they got a protected twenty twenty-seven Philly pick. And plus you've got some of the guys that you just brought in, like Clowney, Whitehead. You know, those guys have got to have some value too. Yeah. I think I'll probably go in twenty-five Phoenix, twenty-seven Phoenix. 27 Philly, lesser of Phoenix or Dallas, 29, top four protected, and Ben Simmons. Yeah. Although the the problem there, too, you don't necessarily want to tie up both of those picks. I guess you could still trade the, the better one yeah. later. I think the one thing that would give me some pause as Brooklyn is Dame those last two years on his contract. Right? Yeah. They're, I mean, uh, they're bad. Because yeah. his salary is basically replacing Simmons for the next two years. That's easy. But even then, 25, 26, 26, 27, you know, you don't have your own pick there. I guess your opportunity cost is maybe being able to use some cap space at some point in the next two off seasons. To, but are you going to add someone better than Dame Lillard? I'm just not sure. Maybe they feel someone else is going to shake loose and that they could have the best package at that point. I mean, ironically, they'll probably be competing with the Knicks in that respect. That's where it gets tough because he's he's not good enough to get you. It's like adding him to that team. Are they a conference finals team even then? Like probably not. With Dame? Maybe. 
Uh, I mean, well, and they also, I mean, if they really are that good, you've got other ammo to go, like, try to get right back in the mix as well. Uh, you know, Philly looks like they may be not as good next year at this point. Like, the Bucks are kind of on the way down. Are you scared of New York and Cleveland right now? Like, there's, you could make an argument that over the next two, three years, they could project as, you know, top four team in the East. And that's, like, if, if once you're there, you got a, a pretty good shot, I think. And they got a lot of defensive versatility with this group, too wouldn't be now i think really the bigger issue is just whether he wants to be there yeah and and also frankly if you get him then miami probably isn't a contender if you don't get him then miami is a huge contender i mean they're they're, that's a monster team in theory although they'll they'll have some holes they've probably got to fill out it's interesting to me that hero is the name being rumored there and not lowry in uh you're talking about brooklyn in terms of a um in terms of a Miami Portland trade, yeah. Well, I think Lowry is just considered such bad. Well, I, I think also Portland still would think they can flip Hero, but I, yeah, I like I would want to hold on to Hero if I could, if I were Miami, and and move on from Lowry instead. But uh, my my theory, because I think Haynes talked about Brooklyn actually maybe being a third team, is maybe Brooklyn ends up with Tyler Hero. With, yeah, that's that's the one that seems Simmons to be gaining tra- gaining traction. Is Brooklyn turns. Simmons and two of the first into Hero, and then because he fits the timeline of everything else that's there a lot better with Johnson and Bridges and whatnot. Um, and then by doing it that way, Portland ends up with a number of firsts rather than just like a, a couple from Miami. And then somewhere in there, you would think Miami can redo the pick protection with Oklahoma City. Um, as part of the Oladipo deal, which may get roped into this trade anyway to to create Miami's trade exception to take in Lillard. And Oklahoma City has no real reason to fight Miami on the idea of changing the protection to 2026 unprotected, in which case Miami can add its 2024 first to a trade package in addition to 28 and 30. How about Harden? What a shocker Man. that was, huh? It's obviously fascinating to see where he's going to go because it's so, such a shocking result. But I mean, some, Sam Amick's reporting indicated that there hadn't really been that much contact. They did get investigated. Just even the two of these parties specifically, I'm sure, had their communications looked at by the league to see whether there was any sort of kind of pre-deal that was made with the one plus one and Philly ended up getting dinged for Tucker and house, but they didn't with Harden. I mean, is it actually possible that Daryl Morey didn't talk to Harden early because he was just worried about the tampering and that caused Harden to get pissed off? Or is that just Daryl like was trying to negotiate hard with him and using that? Yeah, I think that's window dressing based on, you know, how every team operates and whatnot. But Harden was not extension eligible. So there's a, a a very technical kernel of truth to that. But I mean, teams talking to their own player before free agency is like it's generally like nobody even the league considers even considers that tampering, right? And so no, and and it and and, and who's and a, who's going to rat him out, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like so, um, yeah. But I mean, there there would have been a microscope on it if he had signed for like some huge deal uh that was you know the five-year max or something like that a year after he took a one plus one or or he couldn't have taken the five-year max but four years yeah uh so what's gonna happen to him now uh i yeah i still think clippers uh you know do they have enough draft equity to really make an impression on philadelphia and get them to do a deal right away rather than you know is this gonna be another simmons thing i mean daryl's shown he's been willing to wait 
uh, where, where it drags out into the season. I, I just wonder if that has too much off the rails potential for Philly to have a stomach for that a second time. So I, I, it's really interesting to me. It could go a lot of different directions. It seems like, you know, the way Maury has tended to operate is that he asks for the moon at the beginning and then slowly pulls back his trade demand until something reasonable ends up. But the best opportunity to do something here is going to be quick, actually, because these other teams have to move on and make other plans just based on where we are in the calendar. So that works against the way that I think Philly would otherwise operate. It's going to be really interesting. My money's still on Clippers. It makes the most sense. Maybe this will be slowed down by the Dame proceedings, and maybe Philly will want to slow it down because they think maybe once the Dame thing is over that either that could set the market a little bit for Harden or at least open up some more bidders. But ultimately, the Clippers... uh, So let me ask you this. Can the Clippers offer a deal that you would take as Philly? I think it's hard to find something that with just a two-team trade, it's going to be hard. Uh, the salary matching alone gets really difficult. Like if you're if you're in Philadelphia's position, getting unprotected first and twenty-eight and thirty from the Clippers is like okay, that's great, but we we have Joel Embiid. Right now, at an MVP level, at an MVP level, right now, and that's the thing we need to maximize. So, what are you doing with those picks? What can you? It's it's all about flippability to me. What what can you flip? Whatever assets you get from the Clippers and whatever bad contracts you get from the Clippers into. And the problem with that is, if there was something available right now to do that with, the Clippers would have just done that already, right? So. It's a very tricky uh, needle to thread. Well, it seems like for sure Philly is only interested in taking back expiring contracts. There's been this reporting they want to hold on to that $13 million cap hold of Tyrese Maxey next yeah. offseason, that they're not going to engage him in extension talks. Uh, and that, that'll be fascinating if they go into next offseason with cap space. So, and the three Clippers expiring contracts are Morris, Covington, and Batum. And now, I mean, if I think the Clippers 28 through 30, all unprotected, 29 swap, I mean, that's enough for me, I think, to do the deal. as Because uh, this, is, this is my thinking, I would say, ultimately, John, if you are Daryl Morey. The Philly team, even if you're going to bring back Harden, and now and James Harden is going to want more than a one-year deal, right? You kind of have this cap space plan. Daryl Morey is all about, you know, maximizing your outcomes. And he said this 5% thing, but I think, and you know, maybe you could argue that going into this season, Philly could have been a 5% team. Like, I think if Philly had matched up against, like, the Bucks and, and then maybe the Nuggets, if that had been their path, like, I thought those actually might have both been winnable series for them uh, in a way that where Boston is a really bad matchup for them. But I don't think you can go into, at this point in his career in particular, a season thinking that James Harden as your second best player with his playoff resume in which he shoot is a, you know, a better bet to shoot two for 11 than score 20 points. That's not good enough. So I think that kind of informs things a little bit as far as what I would be willing to take for Harden. And then particularly when you consider he's unextendable, like there just isn't, I don't know where you're getting a better offer than what the Clippers could give you. And then also when you consider that nobody is going to trade for James Harden when it's not where he wants to be, because we've seen what happens when he's where he doesn't want to be, although maybe with him in the last, in the last year of his deal, though, maybe that, uh, that would be different because he does have more pressure to just perform now and get another contract. So, and to me, 
he's a great fit with the Clippers. He's just kind of exactly what they need, and he's also a big body who can fit into what they want to do defensively, get some passing on the team. So, you know, if it is those three guys, and like Batum actually would help them this year. Like Covington has been meriting on the bench. Maybe he's just done, but uh, Daryl's always liked him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, the, those are also expiring contracts that you could trade. So I think if you wanted to attach some of that stuff from the Clippers to try to get another player. So I think I would actually, if I'm talking about ultimately winning a championship, maybe I'm okay. And now is Joel okay? It's another question, but maybe I'm okay possibly taking a step back this year. And they've also got Tobias Harris as an expiring too, potentially. I don't think they would be like so much worse in the regular season if they did that. And they would have the assets. I, I think I would ultimately do that deal if I were Philly. And then maybe you say taking a step back this year, you might only be taking a step back to the trade deadline too. Right, right. Yeah, but I think a a lot of this too is just if if James Harden were really that good and they were really that comfortable with offering him a big contract because man we are like a true championship contender here we can't lose this guy they would have worked something out and he'd be on the team long term going forward but they obviously don't feel that way about him or he'd still be there yeah exactly are we done here Uh, I think we're done (laughs) all right that was that's a fun fun it feels like. I don't know, for some reason, like not that much has happened. And then once we started talking about it, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, actually a lot has happened, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'll see you in uh, like five days here. Yeah, in Vegas. Uh, Six days. Exactly. Exciting times. Let's, uh, Let's eat some fish. I'll see you there. Sounds good. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh. (laughs) <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.